Welcome to Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. Alongside, as always, is my friend and producer of this podcast, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Mitch. How are oh. you today? All's well here, nice and snowy Michigan. You're in sunny Southern California. We have quite the contrast, I'm sure. There's about eight yes. inches of snow on the ground outside it's, my window here as I speak. It's so beautiful, though. I've been seeing pictures from all over the East Coast and all the lovely snow. I do miss yeah. it. I mean, to look at it. I don't, I don't like yeah. driving in it, but I'd like to look at it. <laughs> I think everybody always thinks about the other climate that they're in. You know, when you're in snow, you think, wouldn't it be great to be at the beach when you're in a place where it's beach weather every day? It's like, boy, I miss that snow. There's got to be some place where everybody, is there one place on earth where everybody's actually happy with their weather? One place where, where everyone says, you know, this is the perfect weather. It's just right in the summer and just perfect in the winter. And No, everybody complains about something. Even people <laughs> in, in Southern California, which really you couldn't ask for better weather. It's, it's warm all the time. It's not humid. It's, uh, but, but still, oh, no change of the seasons. It's terrible. It's always the same every day. Santa Claus with his short sleeve shirt. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. All right. Come, come here and, uh, and, and, and shovel 18 inches of snow off the driveway and yeah. see if you miss it. Anyhow, our, our podcast uh, generally doesn't do weather, although it would be an interesting uh, alternative. Uh, but we what talk about weather, man. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> we talk about uh, things and lessons that have been inspired by my conversations with my old professor Maury Schwartz. Now, back in 1995, when it took place, and I wrote the book Tuesdays with Maury, and it became quite a surprise to me how how well received the book was. And even to this day, I have to say, Lisa, it's it's every day um, I'm very blessed to have this experience of. Uh, I, I have one of those collection things on my iPad that when you wake up in the morning, anywhere where you have been sort of mentioned or people are trying to reach out to you in the internet world or social media world, it shows up on my mm -hmm. front screen. So each morning I, I get up in the morning and I open the screen to this iPad and there are some from Instagram, something from Facebook, something from uh, Twitter, uh, something from news services, wherever it may be that I have been mentioned in some way. And well, I would say a good 75% of the time, it's Tuesdays with Maury. And it might wow. be somebody in, it might be somebody in Brazil who just finished reading Tuesdays with Maury and is quoting a line from it. It might be somebody in the Philippines who lost their mother or father and, and, and found a quote from Tuesdays with Maury, wanted to put it up there. I can't believe how many people are still discovering the book and how many people are rereading it. How many yeah. comments I get by people saying, I, I pulled out Tuesdays with Maury today and, and read it over again, and I found myself crying and and I found the, the, the words still ring so true to me as they did 20 years ago when I read it. I, I am humbled and astounded. I don't know how, there's no playbook for how you're supposed to respond to that. Of course you say thank you, and of course you say you appreciate it, but you say thank you and you appreciate it when you get a nice tie for your birthday. It, it's more than that. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, something it's that's, yeah, it's just 
bigger and deeper, and you feel connected to the world, and you feel like it's amazing. Yeah, uh, you're part of a community that is thinking about things that you wrote or reported or said, even while you're sleeping. The most astounding part of it is 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 when I wake up. That's the weirdest thing: is you wake up and you open this page on your life, and you find out who, while you were sleeping has been talking about you in some way or been <laughs> inspired amazing. by you yeah. in some way. And it's the most wonderful thing about writing um, and, and why, you know, I always say to people, if they are interested in becoming a writer and it's in their heart, then it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to spend your life because you write things that it doesn't matter if there's thousands, millions, tens of people read, somebody reads it, somebody is affected by it in some way. And, and if you're lucky, it gets to go on while you're sleeping or even after you're gone. <laughs> so to, in today's program, we're going to talk a little bit about, it's funny I mentioned social media and all, because I, I think we've reached a stage in, in the world and in our country where it's fair to say that we have become hysterical. Hysterical. The slightest things get us worked up. The middle things get us truly worked up. The big things get us apoplectic. And the stuff that's hugely important, we can't even get the words out anymore. I'll give you an example. Last week, if you followed the news, there was this incident with GameStop and the short selling of the stock on GameStop stock and the people who used Robinhood to purchase it. You're familiar with this, Lisa? This is a big news story. Yes, I was I was a late comer to this news story though. I started seeing memes and stuff online and I was not sure what right. they were talking about and right. I'm not very well versed in stocks first exactly. of all. Exactly. So, um... Well, but you're going to prove my point. <laughs> you're not well versed in stocks and neither are most people. And they certainly are not well versed in short selling a stock. No, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. I Happen I to know what it means because years ago uh, I got an MBA uh, from Columbia Business School and had Look to learn you, about all this fancy stuff. Pants. Well, I didn't do anything <laughs> with it. I, I, I went to school uh, for I was in school for journalism and I got a master's in journalism and they had a program where you could stay for another year and a half and get a master's in business. And I thought, well, the whole world revolves around business. I want to write about the world one day. I want to understand how it works and how countries work with one another. This would be a good thing to learn. And it turned out that I was the only person pretty much in the entire business school who went there for an education. Everybody else went there for job training. Everybody else right. was trying to become a financial analyst. At that time, it was the Gordon Gecko era, and everybody yeah, yeah. wanted to be yeah. in high finance. And they were all just there to springboard into a big career. And I had no interest in that whatsoever. Never once wore a suit to business school, never took an interview, never sat down with anybody and talked about a marketing future or, or, or a financial future. I just wanted to understand what was going on. I rode my bicycle to school every day in my shorts and sweatshirts <laughs> and, and, and took the classes. And I'm glad that I did because it helped me understand the world in certain ways that if you don't have that background, it's hard to understand it because who would, as you point out, Lisa, who, who would bother to learn what no. shorting a stock is? But no, I knew what it I... was and I understand how it works. And I also understand how few people really understand how it works. And yet I watched last week 
as people just went berserk <laughs> because they felt they had to take a side. This is terrible. This is just awful. This is terrible what's going on. What's so terrible about it? I don't know. It's terrible. It's just terrible. Look at these people <laughs> making all this money on one side. and These other people are losing money on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, well, well who's right and who's wrong? I don't know. It's just terrible. <laughs> they were they were taking sides with because they they sided with the little guy because their nature is let's side with the little guy even though right. the little guy wasn't doing anything heroic in this thing or they sided with big business because they were more conservative and they're always traditional even though they didn't quite understand how the big business side worked on this they got so worked up and they got they were pointing fingers and I realized wow People are just in love with losing their mind. They're just in love yeah. with losing their temper. They're just so addicted to becoming angry. They don't even really need a good cause. Because if, <laughs> if you can get worked up over short stock selling, you can get worked up over anything. <laughs> no one should get that worked up over short stock selling. It's but not people worth were, it. No, well, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't worth it empirically. It isn't worth it literally. But people do. And it got me thinking about Maury and the time that I spent with him talking about composure, serenity, how rare it is for us to be calm. Mm, mm -hmm. Ask yourself, in the last week, working week, weekends are a little easier, but in the working week, last week, Monday through Friday, how much of those 40 hours, let's say, did you spend calm? <laughs> calm. Uh -huh. Lisa, you're laughing. And okay. You see, it probably, laughing because it's like zero I hours. I could go back 20 minutes ago, and I could tell you that I just blew my cork about 20 minutes ago or something. <laughs> before we started. So, <laughs> before we even started. Yeah, it was just okay. over something else. But, you know, like, yeah, I often... You know, you reach a boiling point easily. Right. Not you. We, I know. All of us. You. All of us. Me too. Of course. <laughs> I lose my temper and lose my patience way more than I ought to. And if I'm being honest mm -hmm. and I look at my working week, not the time that we spend together talking about this, because here this is a relaxed atmosphere. We're talking about oh, yes. very significant things and we're in a speaking mode and we're in a slowed down mode. But during the course of the week... When things are going quickly, if I had to say, wow, okay, the day just ended, how much of the day was I just calm, calm, nothing rattling me, mm. not feeling like I'm late to do something, I've got to get yeah. this call made, why isn't this person calling me back, answer me, second email, I haven't, still haven't heard, you still haven't responded, I still have not received... Hello, phone company. I am still not getting my hello heating company. I still have a problem. Why am I calling you about this for the third time? There's nothing serene about that. It's all what? Agitation. It's mm. agitation. We are in a heightened, anxious state of affairs yeah. most of our time, right? Yes, it's like time. it's 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 like we're all live wires, like everybody's had their wires snipped and there's just electricity on all sides. You know, and this is uh, and this is not a political statement I'm making here, but it was just an observation I made during that, um, you know, the Capitol, the storming of the Capitol thing. 
um, there's a clip that they often play of this one man, and he is so jacked up. Like, right. I, I, I want to just take the guy like he's just screaming. And, and and I keep thinking, is that testosterone? Is that where does that come from? Like, well, it might be I might mean, be the six Red Bulls he drank on the way. Yeah. Over. Like, I don't think I've ever yelled that much over something that didn't have to do with my right. personal family or my personal job or anything in my life. And I thought I want to like, I wish I was in front of that man and could just go, come here, hold my hands. Hold right. my hands and let's like take it down. Let's take it down <laughs> hammer time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like let's just breathe for a second. Like it's just it's 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 the clip and they played over and over, but I mean face red and I'm like, this guy's gonna have a heart attack over something that sure it's important to him what he's saying. Right. But wow, you you don't need to lose your life over this, you know? Right. Like But so many of us are, right? So many of us are. Yeah. So many of us are in that heightened state of agitation. Uh, Maury talked about this back in September of our year together. Listen to what he had to say. Serenity. Yeah. And a sense of being grounded in the world and feeling that you belong solidly. Lang had a very nice expression for it. Ontological Security, <laughs> the security of your being. Mm-hmm. Most people, he felt, had ontological insecurity. insecurity yeah. Ontological insecurity. What that means? Ontological just means having to do with, you know, being human or being. So it, it's sort a of good word. Yeah. In, I know it sounds a little like like uh, uh, something sounds medical. Sounds like gynecological. Yeah, gynecological or, or oncology, which is cancer. <laughs> oncology, yeah. yes, you it know, sounds. That's we what don't it want any. Like. It's not none of those things. It's ontological. Just means having to do with uh, <sighs> having to do with the nature of your being. You know, being human and oh, human. I'm so that this down. is so ontological yeah. insecurity is how we're all walking around. We have this sort of insecure sense and being insecure makes us worry and being insecure mm. makes us agitated and being insecure makes mm. us feel we're late or we're behind or it's uh. not going to work out things aren't going to if i don't do this then good things aren't going to happen and i need it is the opposite of calm mm-hmm. ontological insecurity is something that we all suffer from especially here in america Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Have you ever traveled somewhere or visited someone, I'm thinking probably someone older, who you have just admired for no other reason other than they just seem at peace? Oh, yes. I can tell you, when I lived in the Cayman Islands, uh, you know, I was in my late 20s at that point, but what a culture shock that was to move to a place where literally soon come is their you know, motto, you know, meaning that, hey, it doesn't, you know, chill out. 
It's going to be here. It'll come. And that can be for anything. Nobody's ever worried about anything, you know? <laughs> and, right. and, and it was a good left. lesson. I know. I Well, now I wish I was still there. But um, it was really a way to live. Like, you know, you realized how, how uh, anxious you always were when you look at these right. other people who are like, hey, man, you know, just... Right. Chill, you know? <laughs> well, according to uh, a ni- 2019 global uh, study, the five most peaceful countries in the world. Let's write uh, these down. <laughs> yeah, five most peaceful countries in the world. Number one was Iceland. Hmm. In fact, it's been the most peaceful country since this index launched 13 years ago. New Zealand people are, is second. People are too cold to... Yeah. Portugal is third. Not sure about <gasps> Portugal. Austria That's on my list. Mm. I've been to all these places, and I can tell you, yeah, New Zealand is is a very relaxed place. And one of the things about New Zealand, they have an expression there called uh, Australia. They say Australia is the lucky country, but New Zealand is God's own. And Mm. what they mean by that is Australia got lucky with minerals and things like that. There's oil and things like that in the ground. Because there's a rivalry between New Zealand and Australia. They're Mm -hmm. obviously the only two countries that are close to each other. And then then it's like a gazillion miles of water between them and anybody else. (laughs) Uh, But New Zealand is God's own, meaning it's so beautiful there. And it really is. New Zealand is maybe the most beautiful country overall in the world. And the people appreciate it. And the people enjoy just being in a beautiful place where the mountains are beautiful and the water is beautiful and and the sun shines and there's so many good things about being in New Zealand. And that expression, New Zealand is God's own, do you think that you're living in God's own chosen place, Mm. does something to your consciousness. You know, we're good. We don't need to be anywhere else. It's not an accident yeah. that New Zealand like closed off their borders really fast during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And if I know New Zealanders, and I've been to New Zealand more times than I can count, lots of friends there, they're just as happy not to have anybody coming in from the outside. Yeah. They're perfectly <laughs> fine just with their own folks and countries and, and, and just enjoying the country. And it doesn't surprise me that they show up on a, a high on the list of, of people who are calm and who are peaceful. One of the things to be calm and peaceful, one of the things that makes it so, is to be obviously content, content with where you are. Mm. But it's more than Mm -hmm. just being content with where you are. And this is a much harder thing to, it's easy to Google what's the calmest place on the planet or something like that. And you'll get islands and you'll get different places according to different lists. But that's where, where is easy. Who and what Mm. makes who much, much harder Listen to what Maury had to say when I asked him the keys to serenity, composure. Here was his answer. What's the key to becoming composed? Understanding yourself. Knowing who you are. Knowing the reality of who you are clearly without any falsifications. Knowing that but what the things are that are not so great, the things are that great, and what your potential is for becoming greater. My therapist once said, 
to me a long, long time ago. You're not as bad as you think you are. I told you that, you're not as good. And the thing is to find out what is, quote, bad over this, inadequate or however you want to put it, and to work on those and to appreciate what is good and build on those, too. So what Maury is talking about here is self-awareness, understanding your limits, understanding your strengths. So <laughs> my sister-in-law, God bless her soul, uh, used to call my wife when she would hear of a sale, a big sale mm-hmm. going on someplace. And she, she would say, let's say it was at, I don't know, give me a, give me a BB, okay? I'm just making something okay, up. Okay, Nordstrom or Nordstrom, yeah, okay, okay, Nordstrom. And she would say to her, my wife, right now, there's a pair of shoes at Nordstrom with your name on it on sale that someone else is getting. to try to get her to go out and go there now. And it was a great tactic, and it was funny. (laughs) But it is sort of at the core of what we're saying here, Uh, knowing what you can do and what you can't do. No, I'm not going to stop dinner, drop the fork, race out, and go grab some pair of shoes because it's on sale and someone else might get it ahead of me. (laughs) <laughs> it's the same thing that happened on Thanksgivings. You remember recently now in Thanksgivings, not so much in COVID, but the years before, when Thanksgiving stores started opening up and have started opening yeah. up on Thanksgiving night yeah. to beat Black Friday. And people were lamenting like their guests were racing through dinner because they wanted yeah. to get to the Best Buy to get to that television that they could get for $200. Now, that's a state of agitation. The good yeah, thing no, that you that's... have in front of you, <laughs> the meal, the Thanksgiving meal, the, is now being sacrificed because mm-hmm. you've, got to, you've got something on your mind that's agitating you. You've got to get out there and go get this thing. Now, if you are the kind of person that says, I don't care if you offer me gold bullion at 25 cents a pop, I'm not leaving my family and my Thanksgiving meal for anything. Yeah. You don't get worked up, right? You're not thinking about what else you could be doing, what else you could be. You don't get agitated by that. You are calm in who you are at that moment. Well, that's a microcosm of what Maury was talking about there. That's just one little example, one little Thanksgiving meal example. But think about that as it relates to what you want to do with your life. Well, gee, if I, if I go there and I try this and I move there and I go there, then I could get this and I could get promoted and I could get this much money and I could do this. All the things that you could do that you think are better than what you're doing right now. But if you are satisfied with what you are doing right now and you're okay with who you are, then you are not agitated by the possibility of something else. But if you are always unhappy with who you are, as Maury said, you know, know who you're not as good as as you think you are, you're not as bad as you think you are. If you're always emphasizing that bad part, I'm saying it's not, you know, I'm not good enough. I got to do more. I got to do, you are going to live in a state of constant agitation. 
You are yeah. going to drive yourself crazy with how you could be better or more improved, or if only this would happen, then this would happen, or why doesn't this happen for me? And then it will be a. You are torturing yourself. Why? Because you are not accepting where you are right now. That is mm. beyond the realm of your reach. And so you will not find calm. And I promise you, if you're listening to us right now and you say, man, I haven't really been calm except when I'm sleeping. In a long, long time, I'm always worried about, I'm always thinking about, I'm always thinking about, then this is for you. You, you should listen to what Maury just said there and say, okay, the, the basis is understanding yourself first, knowing who you are, knowing the reality of who you are clearly without any falsifications. If you are mm-hmm. crazed about your weight and you keep thinking, ah, you know, ah. I was, I was a guy, uh, I was a 32 waist when I was in high school and I need to get back to that. And you're in the 40s waist-wise now. You're probably not going to get back to 32 waist. Know who you are. Face the reality of who you are, as Maury said there. Know that things that are not so great and things that are great, what the potential is for becoming greater. Don't put your value in, I've got to get back to something that you're never going to achieve again. Probably not going to fit in those pants that you wore back in high school or college. But does that mean you therefore have to be unhappy? Does that mean you therefore are, are not good enough? You should be dissatisfied? Or is the problem with where you're setting your scales? And so you're setting your scales no in a way. No pun intended. That, yeah, yeah, really. So you're setting your <laughs> scales in a way that it's impossible for you to achieve balance. Yeah. On the contrary, if you say, you know what? I'm in my 50s. A realistic weight for me is this. If I maintain that, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I'm, I should be happy. And look at all the people my age that can't do that, find that impossible. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. I'm letting that go. Then calmness becomes a, a real possibility. But you have to let go. And this doesn't mean you let go of trying. This doesn't mean you let go of, of ambition. I'm not saying that. I, I always have to tell people who approach me about Tuesdays with Maury and talk about oh, Maury really knew what was important in life and all I do is work or all I do is, you know, I think about, I worry about the bills. or Maury worried about his bills. He didn't have some secret ticket. I wrote the book because Maury worried about his bills. He didn't have enough money to pay his medical bills. And he was worried about he was going to die and leave his family with this enormous debt. I wrote the book to help him pay his bills. Maury had plenty of worries about these things. He just didn't let them dominate his thinking. He didn't, didn't let them erase who he was. And I always say to people, Maury did not want me as a result of this book, nor does he want you or did, do I want you or any, anything to happen to do with Tuesdays with Maury to go climb a tree, cross your legs and hum all day. That's <laughs> not a meaningful existence. And if you told that to Maury, and said, well, here's what I do with my life. I wake up every day and I go out under a beautiful tree in nature and I cross my legs and I hum all day long and I'm totally serene and nobody bothers me and nobody gets to me and I don't get upset by anything and then, and then I go to sleep after I eat and then I get up the next day. I, I think, I can't speak for Maury's not here, but I think Maury would roll his eyes and say, that's a life. 
You're not doing anything for people. You're not helping anybody else. What, what, what are you so proud of? So I am not advocating that type of escapism uh, to get your inner zen. I'm talking about a calmness that comes when you recognize the reality of things and you accept mm. the reality of things and you don't let the reality of things become what frustrates you. Think about that. You don't let the reality of things become what frustrates you. I can't accept this reality. It's making me crazy. Well, then you're always going to be tilting at windmills. If you can say, okay, this is a reality. I can't change that. I can change other things. I can do other things about my life. I can spend time with certain people in my life I, as opposed to just banging on that door all the time that's not going to get me anywhere. And you can control your calmness that way. So think about what you can do, who you really are. As Maury just said in that really good soundbite, know who you are, know the reality of who you are, know the things that are not so great and the things that are great. Remember what his therapist was telling you, you're not as bad as you think you are, you're not as good as you think you are. Find that balance in the middle. Now, Maury also brought up something that I think is is worth mentioning here. Listen to this cut. So I think when you know yourself, and maybe you have some grounding in the universe through a spiritual connection, then you can be composed. Maybe you need both. And if you don't have the spiritual connection, I think it gets harder. What Maury was talking about was a sense of the world and spirituality, maybe faith, God. Spirituality is a funny word these days. I, I'm not really sure what it means. Sometimes people talk about spirituality in lieu of religion or in place of religion. Sometimes spirituality means a, a sense of God or something larger than us without being affiliated with a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Whatever mm -hmm. spirituality may mean to you, it is a sense of spirit in that. You know, there's more to us than just... Something bigger, yeah. Yeah, there's more to us than just flesh and, and, and bones, and, and we're not just here to live on Earth and then, and then we become worm food, you know, when we die. That is a, a very important part of potential serenity. Now, I'm not advocating any religion or, or faith over or lack thereof. It's an individual choice. But I can say that I have found Many people who are at peace with their spirituality or their faith or their religion to be some of the calmest people I know, right? Think about some of our grandparents and great-grandparents who are more rooted in faith than maybe the kids today are or the generations after them are. How many times have you spoken to them and said, well, what about this? What about this? God, God will provide. God will provide. God will take care of us. Now, some people may listen to this and say, oh, that's just simple-mindedness. Well, mm, <laughs> maybe not so. Uh, you may find as you go through your years that as Maury did, you know, he, he, he experimented a lot with faith. At the beginning, he was raised Jewish, and he identified very much with being Jewish and culturally. But then as the years passed and he went through the 50s and 60s and all, there was a lot of questioning about God and God is dead and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But he became more of a, an agnostic, not an atheist, but agnostic, just sort of didn't, 
didn't really know what God's concept would be. And then as it got towards the end and he got ALS, he started to drift back towards the notion of there being something bigger than him. And he would say, I think the angels are talking about me now and they're negotiating on my behalf. And, uh, you know, suddenly he thought about meeting people after he was gone and the largesse of it. So everyone who's so quick to say, oh, who needs religion? Oh, who needs faith? It's so stupid. It's, it's an opiate of the masses. Yeah, well, come back at the end of your life and, and see. Until then, accept the fact that at least for some people, faith, spirituality is what gives them calm, is what enables them to say, I'm okay with it. God's going to watch out for me. God's been good to be up, up till now. I don't know what the plan is, but I accept what the plan is. Isn't that part of the problem we all have, is accepting this plan? We want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, especially today in this news-crazy world that we're living in. We want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, right now. We want to know what's going to happen the rest of this week, right now. We want to know our plans for the rest of the year, if they're going to work out, right now. We don't want to wait to watch anything unfold. We want to know everything right now. That sense of spirituality, that sense of things will happen for the good, it's going to be all right. Don't worry, be happy, every little thing, going to be all right, right? That philosophy is often the hallmark of people who have faith and spirituality in their life. And it is a good way to live, and as Maury says here, even to die. Listen. I would like to die with serenity and in a peacefulness. Right. One of those statements gives you a lot of alternatives. Right. You could die with anger, right. We've gone with through fear, right. all kinds of things. Right. Rage, right. withdrawal, welcoming, say, hey, I'm ready. Take me. I would like to die at peace with myself mm-hmm. and feeling that I live a good life. I hear that, and I hear the last wish of a dying man. It is to die at peace with myself. Yeah. And think of, if you have thought about death and you have thought about your end, what is the thing that you wish for the most? To be able to accept it and to be at peace with it, Right. To not go yeah. kicking and screaming. None of us want to go, no, 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 no. We don't want our last word uh. to be no. Right? That peace, well, you get that peace at the end of your life only if you've really searched for it and hopefully found it during your life. It's kind of hard to be calm and peaceful in your final days when the whole rest of your life has been agitated. Your, yeah. your body's not used to it. It doesn't know what calm is. But if you can accept, you know, the famous prayer, give me the wisdom to, you know, change the things I can change. Yeah, the serenity prayer. Right. Uh Well, exactly, the serenity (laughs) prayer. And to know the difference between the two things, what I can change and what I can't change. And that is how we find serenity. So when, to take it all the way back to the beginning, when everybody was screaming last week over GameStop, you can't change it. You're not part of it. Use the wisdom to say, I really can't do a lot about that, unless you were one of those Reddit guys, in which case you're probably not listening to us. You're probably listening to an investment podcast. Uh, but unless you're right in the thick of it, 
Why is it worth getting so agitated over? In the words of Kramer on Seinfeld, Serenity now. Well, actually, it was it was actually in the words of in the words of uh, uh, Costanza. Uh, Serenity now, the dad. I think he was the one who did the Serenity now. <laughs> well, we say right. that often around here. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> Serenity, Serenity now. now. Serenity tomorrow. Serenity forever. Uh, it is a uh, a good a good goal. It is not. Don't feel bad that the podcast is over and it's like I don't have it yet. It doesn't come like that. It's a lifelong philosophy that begins like the way you turn an ocean liner with a very, very, very slight change of angle. Mm -hmm. And then you slowly start to turn it. That's what we have to do with our own lives. We have to find that wisdom of accepting what we can and can't do and understanding that not everything requires a stage 10 hurricane and calming ourselves down, finding our spirituality, if that's possible, trying to find ontological security, not insecurity, but security where we feel okay. When we were kids and we were upset, what happened? Our mothers would take us into their arms and hold us until we were what? Calmed down. Why were we calmed down? Because we were secure. We were being held by the person who was protecting us, and that gave us the sense of security. Well, you search for that. You search for your mother's arms, even in all other walks of life, even when there are no arms to hold you. And we're all searching for that kind of security. When we can find it ontologically, we will feel better about ourselves. So that's today's topic, and uh, hopefully put it into play and this coming week will be a little less crazy. Don't read the stock market pages. Stay away from GameStop. No. Don't buy silver. Don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't buy silver. <laughs> That's the latest one. Uh, we enjoyed visiting with you this week and uh, look forward to doing it again. If you want to find out more about the podcast, Tuesday People, we Tuesday People dot com on the web is where you go to find out all of it you can always go to mitchalbum.com as well and find out more about what we're doing and you can see all the list of all of our previous podcasts and listen to them there until we see you again on behalf of lisa goich this is mitch album saying see you next tuesday thank you for listening to tuesday people to be part of our conversation join the tuesday people community at we tuesday Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.